The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to, uh, to get into the Word this morning. As we do that, I want to give you a few things to look forward to here. Uh, there are things that you might take down for your notes, uh, items to just look forward to as we go through the Scripture together. Uh, one of those things is going to be uh, how to live the life that glorifies God. I mean, we come together, we sing songs that glorify His name, we sing of, of the things from the Scripture, all of the, uh, the testimony that we have in our own lives that uh, speak of the things that God's done on our behalf, but we have some instruction in the scripture on how to, to live a day-to-day life that brings God honor and glory. We'll see that in the word. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is uh, what we need to understand in order to understand. And what we need to understand in order to understand is a little bit of a goofy way to say it's a real priority. If we don't catch this, it's going to be tough uh, to move forward in uh, understanding the things that God's called us to understand. And then a uh, third thing that we're going to find is what proves God's at work in our life. I mean, what evidence there is in your life and in my life of Christianity. I mean, I, I, I enjoy my life as a believer much more than I ever enjoyed life as an unbeliever. Uh, my life as an unbeliever was depressing and, and filled with all kinds of hardships and difficulties. Becoming a believer there are still hardships and difficulties, but yet there's not the depression and the, the hardship and the anguish that was once there. There's evidence that exists in the life of the believer that's founded on the hope that we have in Jesus. We're going to see that in the scripture here. Uh, I want to jump right into the word here. I mentioned before we're going to find how to live a life that glorifies God. Uh, if you have uh, your, your Bibles with you, I want to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 15. The Gospel of John chapter 15, I want to look at verse 8. The first part of uh, John 15 verse 8, it reads like this, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. I want to stop right there. The idea that God is glorified by our lives is really exciting to me. That I could do anything that makes Him happy or that pleases Him is a, a wonderful thing to consider. Now, the idea that God has called me to produce something makes me all the more excited. I mean, it's a good thing to feel productive. I don't like feeling unproductive. It was a very difficult thing to, to pause and stop and, and even have a, a medical procedure done or, or take some time away uh, to do the things that, uh, that are probably priority and need to be done because we have a drive in us to produce. We have a drive in us to do. We have a drive in us to accomplish things. And when those, uh, those things are interrupted, it becomes a real frustration. Now, God's call on our life to be productive is a call that he's placed upon our life and that he's equipped us to fulfill. I mean, he's a, he's a good father. He, he's not abusive or tyrannical in any way. He would never require or desire something of us that we were unable to produce. So the idea that we've been called to live fruitful or productive lives is also a testimony that he's equipped us to be fruitful and productive. I want to give you a passage of scripture here because I, I want to take something that we've looked at in the past and I want to give it a day-to-day -day application. 
I'm going to pull from an element of scripture that we've used before in in other messages, but I want us to have the emphasis being on the day-to-day practicality of this passage of scripture and how it can affect choices, decisions, and how we can evaluate the things that we do in our everyday living. Uh, If you have your, your Bibles again, I want you to go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 is going to emphasize uh, the power of the Word of God, uh, the, the wonders of the Word of God, the glory of the Scripture that God would bring into our lives and, and how it is called to, to function, operate, and affect our day-to-day living. And when you get to Isaiah 55, it's going to be around verse 10 or so, you're going to see a comparison to, to God's mercy and grace in, in the weather and the phenomenon that we experience with uh, rain and, and the, the water cycle, everything that gives and brings life into the world. In verse 10, it reads like this. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return without watering the earth and making it produce, making it sprout and making it flourish, so shall my word be which goes from my mouth. It shall not return unto me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I've sent it. Now, that passage of Scripture causes me to pause there and consider a couple of things. One, we're having a comparison made. One, the comparison is establishing how the water and the rains come down and make the earth fruitful. Well, I know God's called me to be fruitful, so then what is it that he's sending into my life in order to make me fruitful? Based on the Scripture that we would read here, it's his word, his direction, his counsel. Not just the scripture written, but his day-to-day interaction with you relationally, leading and guiding in the direction that we should go in order to be productive and fruitful in the things he's called us to be productive and fruitful in. And the wonderful thing about this is the commitment that's attached to it. I mean, what would there be to celebrate without God's faithfulness? The promise attached to this is the promise of success. In the same way that the water comes down and and nourishes the earth so that it produces, so that it's fruitful, God is sending his word into my life and into your life, and it's not going to return to him without accomplishing what he sent it to accomplish. It's a guaranteed success here. Now, this is where I I stop for a moment and pause. I had a conversation uh, before the service this morning with uh, some members of the worship team we were having a conversation. I mentioned something from some past life experience that I remember going through a situation that seemed to be somewhat repetitive. Uh, many of you maybe have similar experiences where you've gone through a, a circumstance and, and made the choices and the decisions that you made and had the same thing happen again and, and maybe happen again down the road. I remember in a, a circumstance uh, was living in the state of Oklahoma was working with a church there that had had some challenges, helping uh, to, to overcome those challenges. And I remember having a, a conversation with God that was a little bit of a, a lamentation. That's a big word, lamentation. It basically means righteous fussing, you know. Uh, and I remember in this conversation, I was, was righteously fussing. I mean, I wasn't just fussing and whining, but I, I was asking God, how, how many times am I going to have to go through this, Right. How many times am I going to have to pass this test was the question that was asked. And what was amazing was God's response was so gentle and so quick and and so uh, to the point, it made 100% perfect sense and brought a tremendous understanding to the situation. The response was, son, it's, it's not a test. 
you're not being tested, you're being refined. And it was a, a, an amazing revelation, you know. I mean, as soon as it was spoken, it wasn't as if it was just words spoken in response to my question. It was as if it was an answer imparted into the situation. It made perfect sense to me. I mean, a test is, is a temporary thing, you know. You can kind of just, just bear down and, 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 you know, tough it out and, and get through a situation that might be tough. But the refining was not going to pass until it had accomplished what it was established to accomplish. So the test was going to be ever-present until what was going to happen or what was called to happen came to pass. I realized that, and I realized now I have a decision to make. I can cooperate with what God's doing because it's not going to stop until it is successful, or I can resist it and drag it out and make it as long as I can possibly endure. Now, my encouragement when you are in a situation like that is that, cooperation be the option that's selected. Uh, God is extremely patient, and I promise you, he can outweigh you anytime. <laughs> the resources are without limit. The, the time, the ability to see something through. When God says he'll see something through to success, he means it. You can see it throughout the scripture, and you can see it in your own life when you see God at work. So when God promises to send his word to bring success, that it's not going to return without accomplishing it, we're guaranteed that that success will come. The success of God's word growing us, maturing us, leading us, guiding us. Now, the question is, how long will it take for that success? Will it happen instantly? Will it take time? Now, oftentimes, that can be up to us, the amount of resistance or the amount of acceptance to what God's doing. Now, there's a, a, an amazing perspective to have from the scripture, and it's one that, that I think, uh, if, if not presented correctly, can, can fall in the morbid category, but it, it's from the, the crucifixion. Uh, the crucifixion of our King Jesus is a, a brutal way for him to, to give his life. I mean, it's, it's fulfilled from the scripture. It was prophesied. The, the idea that it took place, the way that it took place, is evidence that Jesus is the, the Christ, the, the Messiah. You have all of these things from the scripture, but then you can begin to read between the lines and look at some details and realize that there's a message within the message. Uh, there's an element of the crucifixion that's easily overlooked. I mean, it, it, I'm going to have to take you back to this portion of scripture a bit, but if you can, can, can go there with me, you'll, you'll see Jesus on the cross and the thieves next to him and the guards marveling that Jesus had given his life so quickly. I mean, it's just kind of an obscure thing to consider, and you could read right past it. Well, what makes the, the crucifixion on the cross such a, a, a tormenting and torturous death is that it, it can last a long time, depending on how much someone wants to live. You can fight it, and you can try to hold your body weight up. You can, can resist and resist and resist, and all you're doing is prolonging the pain and the suffering. Well, the marvel with Jesus was that he wasn't afraid to die. He had no fear of death. Death had no grip or claim on him because he's sinless. And his call to, to offer himself in our place was the purpose for the cross in the first place. And he's fulfilling that call. The reason why he could declare it's finished. The reason why he could offer up his spirit and breathe his last. Well, there's a number of things that God is doing in our life. 
And we have an opportunity to cooperate or we have an opportunity to resist. One thing is, is for certain, in the end, God wins. Now, it's kind of an odd thing when you hear it spoken like that, but think about your life. Think about the times when God's been at work in your life. Have there been times where there's been cooperation and, and those things uh, were, 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 were quick in their transactions and, and they happened uh, in, in ways that were relatively smooth and easy? Consider other things. Were there times where there was resistance or rebellion? And we see this in example throughout the scripture, whether we see the recording of the Israelites moving from slavery into the promises of God. All of that is a, a representation of our lives and the things that God's doing in our lives. You see times when there's a wonderful celebration and cooperation with what God's doing, and you see productivity and fruitfulness be the result. Then there are times where there's rebellion or resistance, and sometimes even with, with good intentions. Somebody will function outside of the will of God, and therefore it will introduce a delay or introduce a, a manner of undesirable result. Well, I want to look at this for the purpose of applying the way to function and operate, to cooperate with God in my life. And I think Jesus gives us a very clear picture. I want to give you the passage of Scripture we're going to pull from here, from Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now, to summarize all of that, the point is I want to apply the Scripture in order to live my life in a way that cooperates with what God's doing. That's going to mean knowing what he's doing and coming into agreement with it. It's going to mean knowing his instruction, knowing his will, knowing his purpose or his call, and then making the choices and the decisions that align with what he's doing and not align against it. Now in Mark chapter 4 here, we see Jesus speaking. Now, he's going to be speaking in the form of a parable. And as he stood before the congregation that had gathered, he began speaking using agricultural terms. Now, I'm a big fan of these terms because I enjoy agriculture. I grew up around it, and, and it makes perfect sense to me. I hope that it communicates to you as we read it. Uh, Jesus explains it here in a moment, but as he begins to speak, he says this. The word says, He began to teach, and a very large crowd gathered. That he got into a, a boat, and he pushed out from the land. He began to speak and was teaching many things in parables. He was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this and behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and birds came and they ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and when the sun had risen, it was scorched and withered because it had no root. Other seed then fell among thorns and weeds, and they came up and they choked it out, and it yielded no crop. And then other seed fell onto good soil and grew and increased and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and 100 fold what had been invested. And then Jesus closes this message by saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a pretty amazing thing to consider that Jesus, you know, stood and began to speak in these terms. I mean, uh, I've been to a number of, of meetings with other, you know, farmers and people that worked in agriculture. There'd be kind of annual co-op meetings where you all sit around and you talk about, you know, how things are going to be managed for the next year's crop and things like that. And you would hear these men sit and talk. And I have to picture, as Jesus is preaching, 
People are coming from all walks of life. Some are coming from an agricultural walk of life, and they understand exactly what he's saying. Some have come from other walks of life that might have nothing to do with agriculture, and they're just sitting there listening, and it, it might not make sense to them. Now, the group that, that talks to Jesus here in a moment is in that category. It didn't make sense to them. Uh, Jesus is, is speaking to that group, and he has a, a conversation with them. They ask him, hey, what, what did you mean when you said that? Now, keep in mind, you have men like, like Peter and Andrew. These guys are fishermen. They're not farmers. So they walk up to Jesus, and they begin to ask him, what did you mean when you gave all of that, uh, that message about uh, sowing seed and about thorny ground and rocky ground? What did you mean by that? And I love that Jesus gives them an answer that he doesn't just say, well, you either understood it or you didn't. But he begins to explain it to them. And I think it's important to notice how he does it. First of all, you'll see something in verse 13 that I think really needs to, to have some emphasis. I told you before we were going to find what we need to understand in order to understand. You'll see that in verse 13. In verse 13, Jesus says, did you not understand that parable? He goes on to say, how then will you understand any of the parables? Now, let me reword that slightly. I mean, Jesus is basically saying, did you not understand the message that I preached? If you didn't understand that message, how are you going to understand any message that I preach? And then we can take it even a step further because Jesus is the word of God He's saying, did you not understand what was spoken? How then will you understand any word that I speak to you? This tells me that the, there's an emphasis on this passage, an emphasis on this message that needs to be embraced in order to understand anything that God will speak into my life. That word that is powerful to bring about success and everything that God sends it to bring, that word needs to be uh, filtered through this message. How will I understand anything that God speaks if I don't first understand this message? Then Jesus, in all of his grace and in all of his goodness, begins to break down the message that he'd spoken. He begins to describe and identify what each element means and, and where he was going when he was speaking in these agricultural terms. He says this beginning in verse 14, The sower sows the word. That's the word of God. The seed in this parable is the scripture, is the word of God. Whether it's the written word or the spoken word, it is that powerful element that God releases into your life and into my life that guarantees success in whatever it was sent to minister to. That's the seed. And then he goes on to describe where the seed falls. There are those who are beside the road when the word is sown. They hear and immediately Satan comes and take away, takes away excuse me, the word which was sown. He goes on to say in a similar way, there are ones where the seed is sown in rocky places. They hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and because they have no firm root in themselves, they are temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Then there are others where the seed is sown among thorns, among weeds, and they have heard the word, but the worries and the cares and the deceitfulness of riches that exist in the world and the desire for other things enters in and chokes out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Then there are those on whom the seed was sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, 
and they become fruitful, 30, 60, and 100-fold. Basically, you have Jesus breaking down all of humanity into four categories. And it's not just about people groups. It's about four different circumstances you can find yourself in in any situation. Knowing that God is bringing his word into your life for the purpose of success means that the seed excuse me, is being sown. The question isn't a matter of is the seed being sown or not, but rather what kind of soil is it falling on? Now in my life, there's a number of things where I'm wanting to see God's word bring success. And you could make a, a, a long list of every element of your life. I want to see God's word bring success in my marriage. I want to see God's word bring success in raising my children. I want to see God's word bring success in my call to live as a believer. I want to see God's word bring success in my call to serve in ministry. I want to see God's word bring success in my call to function in the marketplace. I mean, you could literally just take a, a whiteboard, a chalkboard, a sheet of paper, and write down every area in which you want to see God's word bring success into your life. And you could begin to ask yourself, in that portion of my life, what kind of dirt am I? What kind of soil am I? It can open up the door for things to move in cooperation with what God's doing, and it can eliminate the resistance that can exist that slows down the process in which success is imminent. If God's word is sent to bring success and won't return without bringing success, it's not a matter of will there be success, it's a matter of how long will it take. What's it going to, to require in order to happen? I want to offer a few thoughts on this matter because I believe that God's word's entering into our life and every aspect of our living for the purpose of bringing about that promised victory. And I know for me personally, it doesn't come very naturally to stop and to evaluate what God's word is falling on. I can tell you that I've had countless opportunities and times of prayer where I've been seeking God's word. God, give me direction. God, give me counsel. God, please lead me in the way I should go. And all of those are wonderful and noble prayers. But very few times have I ever prayed, Father, thank you for bringing your word. Uh, please let it fall on the right soil. Let my dirt be right for the word that you promised to bring. And it's interesting when we begin to, to, to evaluate ourselves in our hearts, just like Paul would call us to evaluate ourselves, we would have the, a greater understanding of the things that God is at work doing. He's at work uh, purging the things that are a hindrance in our fellowship from our life and introducing the things that lead us closer together. And, and as we begin to cooperate with that, I believe we'll see a, a, a new and, and greater measures of fruitfulness exist in our lives. I, I had a, a wonderful piece of life experience that I'd like to share with you, and some of you are familiar with it because of our fellowship when I was young, I had the opportunity uh, to do a very unique thing in agriculture. And we were growing uh, uh, food-grade corn for Frito-Lay, the, the chip company. And we had uh, come into an opportunity where some, some young men, uh, very uh, uh, entrepreneurial in their spirit, uh, acquired some ranch land that had never been farmed before. And through some testing and evaluation, realized that it was good for agriculture. There was good water underground. I mean, it was, it was a really ideal situation, but it was going to require some intentional and tremendous efforts to go from being unfruitful to fruitful. 
And I remember being a part of the team that went in there for this transformation to take place and just have very vivid memories of what it took. Uh, the first thing that I can tell you was a takeaway from that experience was that things got better over time. I mean, it got more productive the, the more effort and work that went into it. And the effort and work that went into it, excuse me, the effort and the work that went into it was all about soil preparation. I mean, the ground that had never been tilled before had to be uh, tilled. That means we had to take huge equipment in there with large uh, uh, plows and, and rip the ground up because it had never been opened before. It was hard as a brick, and we had to go and, and turn it over. It was so difficult and so hard, it was very hard on the equipment. I mean, we went through tractors, we went through a number of plows and implements because it, it just didn't come easy. But then once it had been turned over one time, it became easier the second time, and then easier the third. It got easier with time. There's a lot of those things that are existing in our, our lives as believers. It's easier for me to trust God today than it was when I was a new believer because I have a, a greater and longer testimony. I've seen him deliver time and time again. Now when I'm faced with hardship, it's not as hard for me to trust and believe that what he did before, he'll do again. In our lives as believers, the more time that we have in fellowship with God, walking in the Holy Spirit and, and experiencing the life that he's called us as believers, the, the easier it is to walk in that faith that we've been called to. Another takeaway from, from that uh, experience in agriculture was that things had to be removed. I mean, we would be plowing through these fields that had never been plowed before, and it was difficult enough to turn over the ground, and all of a sudden, wham! everything would come to a complete stop. I mean, you would feel the, the jarring of, of steel upon steel and things breaking, and you would have collided with something under the ground, a, a rock, something that had to be removed from the field, or else it was always going to be a hardship. It was always going to be a difficulty. And a lot of time was spent collecting and, and removing things from those fields so that they wouldn't have any interruptions to the fruitfulness there. There are a number of wonderful things that got to be experienced. We had to actually change the horizon. The elevations weren't right. You had high spots and low spots, and we would take heavy equipment in, and we would take dirt from the high spots, and, and we would fill it into the low spots and, and make for a, a level field in order to grow. And that may not sound like it has much of a biblical application, but as Jesus is entering in and his ministry is being established, God sent John the Baptist to declare, let every valley be filled up and every mountain be brought low. Make a straight way for the Lord. I mean, there were all of these experiences in this one uh, uh, effort in agriculture that caused me to understand and, and come into agreement with what I hear Jesus saying here when he's talking about the soil. And as we talk about it and we look at the scripture this morning, my encouragement would be to take this and make it a day-to-day -day application. Where we want to see the success of God enter in, where we want to see his word embraced and made fruitful, it's a good thing to evaluate what kind of soil am I in this situation. Now we look at the, the, the circumstances. I mean, remember, there's, there's four different ones. I mean, one is hardened, and the other is rocky, the other is, is weeds and thorns, and then the fourth one was fruitful. 
I mean, when I consider these things, I see them clearly in my own life. I mean, I've walked through uh, different aspects of these things in different areas. I mean, you could look at my whole life altogether and just consider being born again as, as being this wonderful release of, of leaving the hardness of heart, but having a new and soft heart placed in my life, just like the promise in the, in the book of Ezekiel. I want to give you a passage of scripture here, uh, Mark 4, 15, when Jesus says, these are the ones that are beside the road where the word falls and it's immediately snatched up. It falls and is immediately snatched up because it doesn't go in, it stays on the surface. The reason why seed would grow in the field where it's been plowed and it wouldn't grow outside of the field where it hasn't been plowed is because the seed never enters. If the seed stays on the surface, it'll be snatched up. When God's word comes into my life to bring success in any aspect of my life, if it remains on the surface, if it's not allowed to enter in and take root in my life, it'll never be productive. I want to give you a passage of scripture that I remember in my youth resisting. This passage of scripture is in the word, and I think it's important for us to realize that listening to God is a choice. Hearing his voice is a decision that can be made or it can be rejected. I'll give you the passage of scripture that I would, would state that according to. It comes from Hebrews 3.15, but Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, is quoting it from the Psalms. And the psalmist is writing about an experience with the Israelites walking in the wilderness with God. And the passage of scripture basically reads like this. Today, if the voice of the Lord should come to you, do not harden your heart. Today, if the voice of the Lord should come to you, do not harden your heart. Well, I mean, I know the power of the word of God. I can see the promise of the word of God to bring success. But I also need to understand that God will never take away my will. When he brings his counsel into my life, I have a choice and a decision. To accept and receive his counsel or as the scripture would put it there in Hebrews, harden my heart and reject it. If I were to harden my heart, the word in which he would be sowing would not be allowed to enter in, but because of hardness would remain on the surface and be snatched away. God is at work softening my heart for the purpose of his voice coming into my life and not simply remaining on the surface. But his word coming into my life and being allowed to enter in. And once allowed to enter in, taking root. In any circumstance where I'm wanting to see God's word bring success, I've got to ask myself, is my heart hardened in this situation? Am I open for God's counsel? Now there's a few things that can prevent our hearts from being open to receive God, God's counsel. There are things that are in the scripture. There's things like pride and arrogance. Things that would cause us to resist uh, God's work in our lives. There's a number of reasons, but there's no excuse. There's never a time in which hardness of heart is acceptable. So in any element where we desire to see God's word bring about success, we must commit to have our hearts being softened. Now, this is the kind of thing that can affect our prayer life. Father, I desire to see success in this area of my life, and I know that your word promises to enter in and bring about that success. Let my heart be softened to receive your word. Any hindrance that would reject your word or leave it on the surface to be snatched away, let it be uncovered and revealed that it might be renounced. Let my heart be softened that your word might enter in and be fruitful. I desire your word to bring success in my life. 
Now, there's another element here that we need to be careful of, and it's the, the rocky soil. Now, Jesus talked about the rocky soil, and he spoke about it very specifically. Remember, Jesus is never accidentally awesome. I mean, everything that he's saying here is intentional, and it, it's absolutely powerful. In fact, when he speaks of this passage, he speaks of it as being of the utmost importance. Remember, how can you understand anything if you don't understand this? One, the need to have our heart be softened. Two, the need to get rid of the rocky soil. I told you before in my experience in agriculture, we had to remove things from the field. There's a number of, of things in my life. That, remember, the, the, the dirt is your life. That is my life that we're speaking of when we speak of the soil. That one, it needs to be opened up and able to receive. And two, it needs to be free from the hard places. I mean, this soil being my life is, is made up of my experiences, my life experiences. There have been things that have happened in my life that can make it difficult to, to receive from God or difficult to surrender to God. And I think we all deal with that. I'll, I'll give you some examples and we'll make it very quick. But just consider some life experience that could be a hindrance. Like, for example, let's just say my desire is to see God's word bring success in my marriage. But yet I have known a tremendous amount of rejection in my life. That could be a difficulty when God calls me to be vulnerable to my wife. I might be afraid to be vulnerable because of my history and my past track record and my experience with people abusing that vulnerability. That would be a hard place or a stone or a rock that would limit how fruitful I could be. And it's got to be removed. Praise God that he can remove those things. By ministry. I mean, all ministry is one of two things. It's either impartation or something going in or deliverance, and that's something coming out. And I have been delivered from a number of things that made it hard to be productive in the kingdom of God. Uh, I have a desire to see God's word bring success in raising my sons. But I can tell you there's a number of hard places in my life from experience with my own parents that can make it difficult. I want to see those things removed so that I can be productive. This also can have an impact on how we pray in any situation. Father, I know that your word is sent into my life to make me successful in this thing. Let my heart be softened to receive and let every past experience that would cause me to be slow to cooperate with what you're doing be uncovered and ministered to. Let me be healed of the past hurts and wounds that would hinder my ability to walk in what you've called me to do. It's pretty incredible to think about it this way. So when our hearts are softened and when we have these areas that are ministered to, we see something great take place. I mean, that refusal to, to harden our heart when God's word comes and that willingness to allow these hard places to be removed, open up the door for God's word to bring that promised success. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture here, and I think it's important to make note of these. A lot of our life experience affects how we view life. You know, past hurts and past wounds might affect how we see our current situation, and it's important that that be healthy or it will affect how we function and how we operate. I'll give you a couple of passages of Scripture for your notes here, uh, one specifically from Proverbs chapter 23. It's going to be around verse 7. But as one thinks in their life, so they are. The reason why God is healing these past hurts and these past wounds 
is so that these things don't become our identity. If my life has been filled with rejection upon rejection, it could be possible for me to view myself as a reject. If my life becomes filled with with all hurt or wound or suffering or poverty, and that becomes how I view myself, then that will become ultimately my identity. And our identity is in Jesus Christ. Our identity is in victory and freedom, prosperity, life. God is taking these hard places out of our life in order for us to walk in the identity that he's paid the highest price to bring into our life. Uh, Remember this other group now. We've got this third group. We've got to move through these. So our heart needs to be soft so that we can receive God's word and bring its promised success. Our hearts are ministered to and freed from these hard places so that we won't be limited in our success. Remember what the word says when there's those hard places. You can receive the word and you can be happy about the word, but it doesn't last. We got to get those hard places out so that God's word can last and we can be fruitful. Then there was a third group, a group in which God's word is sown among the thorns or the weeds. Now this was the cares of the world or or distractions. It's very important to evaluate in any area where we desire to see God's word bring about success. What kind of soil am I? Am I hardened or am I open to receive? Are there stones in rocky places? Is there limitation? And then this third group, is there competition? That's really what the weeds are, competition. I remember when I was young, uh, walking with my grandfather across some of the fields, we'd been moving irrigation pipe, and, and it was very uh, uh, labor-intensive. You're, you're watering the crops and moving these, these pipes. It, it's it's uh, not real pleasant work, but you're outdoors, and, and you get a chance to become acquainted with the fruits of your labor. You're in the fields. And I remember seeing what we called bindweed. Uh, bindweed is what we called it. I don't know if that's a, a, a real name for the plant or if it's just kind of a local name, but my grandfather always called it bindweed. And it had these flowers on it, kind of a, a whitish, purplish flower. Now, as a kid, I looked at the flower and I thought, wow, that's pretty. And I remember, you know, talking to my granddad about it. Why do you hate this, this plant so much? Look at it. It's beautiful. And I remember his answer to me. It had nothing to do with beauty or the petals or the flower at all. He just said, uh, that's competing with the wheat. It's taking resources away from what we're trying to grow. And when you consider that, it kind of makes sense that Jesus would use this example. There's a number of things in your life that God is, is sown in order for it to grow and be productive. Now, there's countless things in the world that are competing with that. I mean, just think about your time. God's call to have fellowship with him and how much competition there is for your time. Uh, Consider any other aspect where God's called you to be successful. I draw on marriage and family a lot because those are the biggest things in my life right now. But I can tell you there's a lot of competition for, for my marriage and my family right now. It can be work. It can be outside influences and things that are pulling and drawing to take away Uh, your attention from the things that you're called to give your attention to. Those are the weeds. Now, when God's word comes into my life to bring about its promised success, I'm called to evaluate the the measure or the level of competition that it's facing. It's another great way to pray. Father, I know that your word is sent to my life to bring about success. 
Let my heart be softened. Let all these rocky places be removed. And let me be aware of all of the competition so that I can put it in its proper place. I want my priorities straight. It's important for us to get our priorities straight for that success, that promised success of God's word to enter into our lives. I've grown a number of gardens and, and done a lot of work in agriculture, and I can tell you weed control is an endless task. I don't know if you've had much experience gardening or in agriculture, but I can tell you I've never gone out and planted a single weed. But yet they're there. How do they get there? I mean, I've never gone out and sown weeds, but yet you can walk out into your garden and it's filled with them. I mean, this is a really wonderful biblical example because God's called us to do fruitful things. I've done things to be fruitful. I've read the scripture. I've introduced an intimate time of prayer or fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I've done these things in order to open the door for success. Why, without doing a single thing to bring any distraction, are there so many distractions? But yet they're there. It takes a very intentional effort to keep them cleaned out. In fact, if you've ever had a garden before, I think it's safe to say that it's a daily effort. And for you and I, as we look for God's word to bring about success in our life, I think it's important for us not to see this as a one-time identity. I'm good soil because I'm a Christian, but rather, Father, I want to evaluate my soil every day to make sure I don't get so distracted from what matters that I end up missing out on what you're doing that I become a hindrance to what you're doing. I want to cooperate with what you're doing. Let there be maintenance in this garden. The things that are competition for what you're doing, let them be revealed that they might be uprooted, cast out, put in their proper place. Let me be good soil for your word to enter in and bring about success. Then there's this, this fourth group, this fourth group that, that Jesus identifies that has, uh, you know, it's soft, it's opened up, the rocks have been removed, and, and the competition has been rightly prioritized. There's, there's, there's no competition, there's no hard places, and it's opened up, and this is where fruitfulness lies. This is where the word enters in, the word is powerful and brings about its desired result, 30, 60, 100-fold. This is where we want to be. No matter what it is, marriage, family, business, it doesn't matter. If you put this on the board, you want to be in the place of fruitfulness. Mark 4.20, Jesus said, and, and there are those ones where the seed falls, and the seed falls on the good soil. They hear, and they accept the word, and it bears fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. I want that to describe my life. Not just a one-time decision of being a Christian, but I want that to describe how I, I evaluate what actions I perform on a daily basis, how I prioritize my schedule in my day. I want to seek the will of God in my life, but I don't want it to stop there. I don't want my prayer life to end with, Father, please reveal your will to me. I want my prayer life to include, Father, reveal your will to me and let me evaluate my heart so that I can cooperate with the things that you've called me to do. Let it be softened. Let every place that needs ministry be ministered to and let every distraction and all competition bow down and give way to your truth as the priority. I want to be fruitful. I mentioned to you before we're going to find the thing that identifies us as Christians. 
Uh, it's, it's proof of our Christianity. And based on the scripture, it's this. It's this entire process. The process of having your heart softened. The process of having your life ministered to for the sake of being productive. The process of, of having a competition put in its right place so that God's word is prioritized. Because this process makes us fruitful. I mentioned we'd find out what is the evidence of our Christianity, and you'll find it in the back half of the verse that we open with, John 15, verse 8. My Father is glorified, glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is the call that God's placed upon our life. I'd like to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to, to pray the point of this morning's message. And, and while we have pulled from this passage of Scripture in the past, uh, the, today's message is meant to be on a, a, a daily emphasis. More than just, here's how we need to evaluate life in general. But to emphasize, this is how we should evaluate our choices and our decisions. Taking an inventory of, of how we're receiving God's promised word. His word is entering into our life to bring about success. First of all, are we open to receive it? Or is there an element of pride or arrogance that would have us doing it our own way rather than his way? Secondly, are, are we being identified by past hurts and wounds? Or are we being identified by God's call and his promised truth as to who we are? Thirdly, is there competition in the way? And how can we remove that competition so that the things that are fruitful become a priority? Uh, one thing is a guarantee. The verse that we open with from Isaiah, that God is sending his word and it will succeed. My desire is to cooperate with that. To join with him in bringing that success in and through my life and in and through the lives of others. And that cooperation is going to mean evaluating the soil of my heart. I want to pray this morning and I want to ask for a revelation for, for my own life and I want to include you as well. That there would be a revelation imparted to our lives that this would become more than an area of scripture that, that is exciting to celebrate and to read, but that this would become a way of life. That we could be in a, a state of evaluation, trusting and knowing that this is the call that we have. It's the right of the believer to be able to evaluate the state of our heart. All by the power of the Holy Spirit, active in and through your life. I want to pray and I want to ask God for that. I, I really believe that as we intentionally begin to evaluate the soil of our heart, uh, we open up the, the floodgates of success and victory as God, God's word pours in and through our lives into those things around us. You're welcome to join with me in agreement or simply be in an attitude of receiving. I want to pray for us this morning. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide, to direct our steps. We thank you above all else for the promise of your word's success in our lives, that you're faithful, that we can be free from, from fear and doubt, as it concerns success, but that we trust, believe, and know that your word will perform as it's been sent to perform. And let our lives uh, be made whole by the power of your word in every aspect of our living, 
Let our hearts and our minds be renewed to a revelation that we are, are in the, a constant state of evaluation to be in cooperation with the things that you're doing. And let it be with celebration that we would, would know that you're leading us and guiding us in the way that we should go for the success that your word promises and guarantees. Let us be in evaluation of our hearts that we be open to receive your word. We behind all arrogance and pride that would keep us from surrendering to your ways. Let us cast down our ways and embrace your ways which are so far above our own. And, and let the, the past be ministered to that all hurts and wounds from the past that would leave us callous that would cause us to to have difficulty trusting and operating in the way that you've called us to to move and to function let those things be healed we thank you for Jesus we thank you that you've made a way let every benefit of the cross be manifest in and through our life let it be mental let it be physical let it be spiritual let deliverance and healing prevail in our lives that we might be fruitful And let all competition be revealed. Let it all be uncovered, that it might be put in its right place. If it needs to be uprooted, let it be uprooted. If it needs to be reprioritized, let it be reprioritized. We desire to have things in the proper order to come into agreement with your will for our lives. And we thank you that you promised to bring your word. We thank you that your word guarantees success. And we offer up our hearts to be tilled and cultivated, to be the fruitful soil that you've called us to be, that we not only be productive in and through our own lives, but that we might touch those around us with your fruitfulness. We bless your name and we thank you. We rejoice in this wonderful call to produce. Let our lives bring you honor and glory as we live out our lives, bearing fruit in the name of Jesus. We bless you and we thank you. And we rejoice in your spirit And once again, we give you thanks through the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.